when you're in those times of just like, I don't want to say despair, but when you're really hurt, you're like, when is it going to get better? Yeah. But when you look back hindsight, you're like, you know, I had, I had friends tell me like, you're going to look back and like laugh at this. Mm. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. Like laughing at the pain you experience because, you know, I think you're, you're, you know, your greatest hours after your, your lowest moment. Thank you for tuning in to the Red Dolphin podcast, where we talk about the passions, purposes, and perspectives of others to help you dominate your young adult life. Before we get into the episode, I do want to ask that you either subscribe or leave a review because it helps our show grow and it helps get the message of our guests out to others to make the most impact that it possibly can. Our guest for the evening is Mr. David Cicchini. Now, David is a model, but I certainly do not want to limit to him in the magazine covers that he's been on. In this episode, we talk about David how to get over that first hill of that kind of awkwardness that might be there in your first dates. We also talk about some of the journeys that David has had in his college years as far as getting in trouble with the law and pivoting away from that style of life in order to become his best self. Just sitting across David for an hour, I can tell that this man is 1000% about bringing his best each and every single day. And I'm so glad that he took the time to share his wisdom with us today. I always say you're not gonna hurt my feelings. Yeah, same dude. It's pretty hard to hurt. Pretty hard to hurt my feelings. There's only a few people that could hurt my feelings. Fair. It's like my mom and my girlfriend, <laughs> my dad. How long did it take your girlfriend to earn that power? Not long, man. Yeah? <laughs> nah, no. Nah. She's, she's good. She doesn't hurt my feelings at all. So her quick? Yeah, dude. Pretty How good. did you guys meet? Because I didn't see you had a girlfriend. Looks like you guys travel quite a bit. Yeah, Hinge, man. Hinge? Yeah, we met on Hinge. What, uh, how long into the Hinge journey, though, did it take? Oh, my God, man. Uh, my Hinge journey in Austin? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it was like... I probably matched with her early August. I'd been here like a week. I was like, I was like, man, this girl is beautiful. Like, you know, we all know it. When you're swiping, you're just like, sure, 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 eh, whatever. And then you're like, whoa. But for some reason, it wasn't just the looks. It was like, there was something about her that kind of like drew me in through a photo, which is kind of <laughs> so like modern day weirdness, you know? But <laughs> it was so funny because um, the reason I moved to Austin is because I ha got out of like a somewhat long-term relationship and when I was living in Montana. So I got here and I had all these, you know, grand ideas of being single for however long I needed to, you know, yeah, get my shit plan, together. Like here. Yeah, so, so matched with her and uh, on my profile it said like, occupation, model, relationship goals, don't know yet. Cause I had just, like I said, gotten to new city, out of a relationship. And she was like, oh man, that sounds like trouble. Like she didn't even bother, <laughs> like she swiped right. We exchanged a few messages and then I was like, she ghosted me for like a week or two. Dang. And then I was like, kind of like scrolling through my matches, like bored. Like I was probably just like sitting on the couch. And then I was like, man, why isn't this girl like engaging to me? Like she's whatever. And then I was like swinging a miss. Two weeks go by. I'm still kind of thinking about her, which is weird because I never met her. Didn't really have any conversations with her. And so I, uh, I messaged her on Instagram and I said, you look really groovy. And that's <laughs> freaking corny as hell. But, uh, for some reason that caught her attention. Uh, so like, I guess her, her dad always used the word groovy. And so oh, really? she was like, I'm actually sitting outside because my building's fire alarm is going off. So you're lucky that I'm like out here on my phone. Cause like normally I'd be in bed. And so I was like, Hey, if you ever want to meet up, continue this conversation in person. Like here's my number. And 10 minutes go by. She texts me and I'm like, Oh, really? I'm like, man, 10 like, minutes is unheard of from what I've heard. I know, but man. I guess you had the week like recess where it was like, yeah, and I kind of didn't know type yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody better be thanking anybody who uh, burnt that popcorn, dude. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but it was going on for a while. So we're kind of chit chatting, and I'm more of an in person kind of guy. And then we met up like that weekend for coffee. Uh, have you been to the Perch? It's like right on Ladybird. No. 
It's sick. My can, lady's like big on the coffee shop stuff. So oh yeah, it's like right that. on Ladybird, um, kind of like on the uh, the north side of the river. Uh, you can pull up to it with like a paddleboard, and they have those little retro boat rentals there. Oh yeah, okay. Those are sick. So we met there, got coffee for like two hours. Two hours. Two hours. Bro, that's man. two cups of coffee, and <laughs> that ain't just one. I know, man, and it was cool because we had like the most amazing conversation. And then I live on Rainy Street, so I like walked two blocks to get home and. Literally within a couple of minutes, I get a text from her and like had a great time. Genuinely my like, brother in and I was like, I literally, it was middle of summer, like August. And I took my shirt off cause it was hot as hell. I was sweating, took my shirt off, sunbeam. And I was just strutting back. Like I felt so good. Um, and long story short, man, like within a day or two, um, we both like cut ties with anyone we were previously talking to. Really? We were just like, you're like, yo, I met someone I really like and like, we can't talk anymore. And uh, like you said, in today's day and age, man, that is very rare. So what the hell did you guys talk about for two hours? Life, man. And, um, you remember I was telling you, I moved to Boulder from Chicago. Yeah, so yeah, big travel. Guy. Or, yeah. So she had actually been living in Boulder the same months in 2018 when I moved there. So we may have like crossed paths, like spiritually, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, it's called the red red string theory. It's like about, have you heard of this? I have not. Don't, so it's, me. it's like a weird, like. I'm not super educated about it. She is. Uh, her name's Sophie, by the way. Sophie. Shout out to Sophie. Love P-H you. P-H or F or? P-H-I-E. Okay. Yeah, Sophie. Okay, cool. I like to yeah. envision that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, hey, all good, man. <laughs> but she's she's a real one, and she's uh, she's solid. So I got really lucky and just kind of like fought it for a little bit. I'm like, it's too soon. You know, I just got out of a relationship, like still trying to deal with all that and moved to a new city. But then she was like, yo, whenever you're ready, like I'll be here. Really? And so that made me like fall for it that much more. Yeah. How, how, how did that conversation even start when you guys meet each other in person for the first time? I, I'd assume it has like a little bit of tongue in cheek, like kind of playful mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. But yeah. Um, as far as like conversation started. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I think we just um, kind of like our vibes like immediately clicked. Like, so we kind of just had like this comfort around each other. So we just, um, I wasn't like, hey, like how's your day going? You know what I mean? It was more like I was kind of seeking a deeper connection. And I think she was too, like subconsciously. So I think our brains just immediately went to like your values in life, like what you want. And like, it was a really cool, like upfront, deep conversation. And I think that's really important for guy, girl. Like if you're trying to make like a male friend or like court a young lady or something like that, like that upfront vulnerability, like kind of shows some kind of separates you from the crowd a little bit. Yeah. Cause you can like talk about real stuff and, um, cause like everyone's got a life, do you know what I mean? So, and not saying like pour your heart out on the first date, but like let someone know like what you're about. You know what I mean? I, I do get that. And yeah. I do want to ask this because it sounds like, I mean, two hours, first date, cup yeah. of coffee. The one thing that sticks with me is where, where do leads and conversations kind of stick? Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming it just wasn't you taking the front lead on every conversation. It wasn't no, her. Yeah. Like, how do you kind of like ping pong that? So like you're, building something organic. so there is a like how do i ping pong that's a great question man luckily like she's quite the conversationalist okay. herself and so like when if i'm trying to talk to somebody and they're just like not giving me the same energy back it's really hard for me to like click with them you know really mm, yeah so i mean some people have different personalities and stuff but like i'll get along with people with like more dry humor and mine's like <laughs> mine's like it's weird because you never hear people say wet humor but like it's the opposite, right? Humor. Like no, mine's like good. direct and like funky, but I'm stealing that one. Uh, yeah. Wet, wet humor. <laughs> but, um, like it's a simple conversation tactic. Um, there's this guy, Chris Voss. He's, um, have you heard of him? Yes. Yes. Never so split the difference, baby. never split the difference. Um, and mirroring and, um, what's the other term he uses? I'm not sure. 
Um, but just mirroring people seems like sounds like yes. So if it's like you know she's talking about like how she just spent six months in Costa Rica doing a yoga certification in her twenties and like put herself like paid the tuition and stuff. It's like oh, it sounds like you're you know incredibly committed to like what you want to do. You know like, yeah. For example. And two people who have, like, obviously mm -hmm. physical attraction towards each other. Like, this stuff's all genuine, too. Yeah. I think a lot of the times, like, especially when I was first learning, it's, like, very hard to, like, you want to apply it and be genuine with it, but it almost feels unnatural, like, once you, like, start to learn little tidbits like that and mm -hmm. implement them. So, like, yeah. friends, it works a lot. I remember we used to play Monopoly, and I would mm -hmm. just try a bunch of, like, different phrases that I learned from Chris Voss. Oh, yeah. Just to kind of, like, see how it would play out. Dude, nothing gets me more pumped than watching, like, a Chris Voss, like, mastermind, yeah. like, video. Um, I've worked like a variety of sales jobs, like before I got into like the modeling content stuff, but, um, it was, uh, it was really cool to like use those tactics to make money in a sales job. And so, I mean, it's really like, uh, like kind of Dale Carnegie stuff, like how to win friends and influence people, yeah. um, which is not as manipulative as people think. It's more of like, how would you get someone to do what you want to do? But really it's like, if you're like a rational enough person, most of the time your ideas are like the right way to do things. So yes. make them feel like they're taking control of a situation by like you telling them your idea, you know? Yeah. It's, it's presentation that yeah. it comes down to. And I want to hear your thoughts because I remember when I first read it, I'm like, Oh, this is like some good stuff. Mm -hmm. But then like on Twitter, uh, strength conditioning Twitter, like everybody argues with each other. So you have all these strength coaches oh, dude. Yeah. going back typical Twitter. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's there for. But, uh, I think the first time when I started being critical of what I'm reading was mm -hmm. when somebody said, dude, this is like everyday stuff. It's yeah. not like, it's not groundbreaking by any means, mm -hmm. but like once you're intentional with it, it's like, it's going to open more doors. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, man, being intentional, like what was crazy is I have this little notebook here and actually oh, good stuff. A little I journal. Think, yeah. A little journal and it's a little, little decomposition book, little grid paper. Um, I lost the pen here somewhere, but, uh, when I had gotten out of my previous relationship, I was pretty shook up. Like we lived together and I was in a small oh. town in Montana and like we'd moved there together. So it was like this whole like rearrangement of like what I thought my life would be like, like had you told me a year ago, um, that I'd be living in Texas with a new girlfriend, I'd be like, what? Really? So it was a complete 180. And so what I did was I uh, took the friend's, friend's advice, Daniel Cadenzaro, shout out to Danny boy. He's like, you need to write down what you want. Like not just in life, but like if you're searching for like an ideal woman, like you need to be specific about what you want and like hair color, eye color, like whatever. And so I got so specific with a page and a half of like what I wanted out of like an ideal partner and uh, down to her eye color. And I like made it like a weird sort of um, like color it was like honey color is what I wrote down which is like a, a weird eye color it's like kind of kind of gold kind of brown like you know hazily and uh like her relationship with her parents and you know god and spirituality and like everything like that and a month later she popped off the page into my life so dude that is nuts yeah I I forgot did did you by chance what was your buddy's name on that again Daniel Cadenzaro. Okay, because I, I think I heard a similar situation where a lady wrote a letter of mm -hmm. herself when she had just recently gotten single. Mm -hmm. And like she's like, in one year, I'm going to be with this guy this mm -hmm. time, yada, yada, yada. And a guy that she'd known for like maybe two weeks, mm -hmm. they they were on this New York New Year's Eve party, 
And it was like literally the exact situation that she wrote to herself. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird seeing like the power of almost like a subconscious. Mm -hmm. And I, you would have a better idea of explaining because it sounds like you're kind of like into the spirituality mm -hmm. aspect of things as sure. well. Where, where did that spark? Did, did your buddy spark that right then and there? Or did you always have that? So I've always kind of had like the spiritual kind of nature to me ever since I was a kid. Like I always kind of knew that there was like a guiding force in my life that kind of looked after me, even when I didn't look after myself. Um, but what's really cool about Sophie is that um, when I got specific about what I wanted and I met her, um, remember I told you like we both like cut everybody off. Like she had took, taken a screenshot of like a text she sent her like friend group chat and was like, danger, might fall in love. I think I just met my soulmate. Oh my gosh. Man. Yeah. And so um, like the day before I met or wrote that in my journal, excuse me, um, I went like an overnight solo backpacking with my dogs and like uh, I'd just broken up with my ex and so I was just like, man versus wild like out there in the middle of montana just like grizzly country mountain lion country and backpacked like seven miles in didn't see another soul it was like getting late and like put up a tent and everything and made like steak over a fire like i was really tapping in and so i actually have a reel of that on my instagram check it out and uh shameless plug by the way but it was like one of my first reels and like it was really the last couple videos I took in my home in Montana which was like why I moved there was to be in the mountains like doing that kind of like outdoorsy stuff that I love um but I was like pretty hurt in that video and the song is like pretty like it's a uh, Sturgill Sampson song it's a song about his dog and it's like hound dog vibes and like that's what I have and uh you know I looked at it yesterday and I was like man what I could give to tell that man that it would like all be okay soon you know well, what I mean yeah because yeah. like, I was just like shook, like my world was changed upside down. I, I hadn't made the, de excuse me, the decision to move to Austin yet. Um, and then within 60 days from that moment of me feeling like at an all time low, my life 180 changed, moved to Austin, met this beautiful woman, incredible. Um, and you know what I mean? It's like when you're in those times of just like, I don't want to say despair, but when you're really hurt, you're like, when is it going to get better? Yeah. But when you look back hindsight, you're like, you know, I had, I had friends tell me like, you're going to look back and like laugh at this. Mm. And so that's kind of where I'm at now, like laughing at the pain you experience because, you know, I think you're, you're, you know, your greatest hours after your, your lowest moment, you know? So how, how long after was that, um, camping hike trick after the yeah. breakup then? A week. Really? Yeah. Was it, did, I mean, when it initially happened, what was your first instinctual thought? Oh man, it was like. I got to tread water and figure it out before I, cause like, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to stay in this small town in Montana with like no opportunity, you know? Um, all it's like, all it offered for me was like scenic beauty. And then I'm like, man, if you don't have anybody to share with, if you don't have like a strong group of men in your life, friends, family around, it's like, it's kind of meaningless, you know? Um, not meaningless, but it doesn't mean as much, do you know? Completely understand with that. Yeah. Did you have guy friends there during that time? No, I was only there for seven months and oh, I moved dude. there in the dead of winter, which, you know, the first day I got there was like negative 20 and like yeah. moving all my stuff in. And, um, so it was, it was a great experience, honestly. Like I'm glad I moved out there. Um, and then I'm glad I'm, I'm where I'm at now, you know? So it was really that moment from like taking that real breaking up my ex to like meeting a girl that I had never expected to meet, but kind of predicted it in my journal was yeah. two months. Now, when you talk about talking with your boys back home, mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming this is all over text then, right? Oh, yeah. Or call, phone call. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you kind of feel distant from them, even though you know you're like listening to them, you're taking their advice? Was there any part of you that felt like it's me? It's still just me out here because everybody's been in a situation mm -hmm. in a breakup or whatever it may be, relationship problems, or maybe not even problems, but just 
things that happen mm-hmm. and it's so easy to be detached from like a very simple answer that your boys are giving you because they're not in it. But mm-hmm. like all that weight that you have, did you experience that or? Yeah, man, it was really crazy. Cause when I like first, like kind of dropped the hammer and was like, we can't be together anymore. I was like really like rational minded about it. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like having, it wasn't like a coldness, but it was like, I was sincere in my approach and felt what I felt for like a certain amount of time. And I was like, this isn't going to work small voice in my mind over time. I crept like, this isn't your person. Like this isn't whatever. Like you guys are like oil and water. You don't mix kind of brought out the worst in each other, honestly. Um, but (sighs) I lost my train of thought. What what was the question again? Just about like, did you feel isolated even though you had, yeah. So like that, Oh yeah. So then the emotions kind of set in of like, Oh man, I am out here by myself. This isn't like the path didn't creep in. So like my friends were kind of like, you know, encouraging me to like, you know, stick to my gut and like kind of go from there. So I did feel isolated, but I knew I had to make a change. And so the one, like, there's always like kind of a whisper in my mind. that's not my own thoughts. Like I, I do believe in a higher power. Like, you know, I was raised Christian, but you know, kind of drifted away from the church, got into like more like Eastern stuff, meditation, that kind of thing. Um, but I have to pick, I'd be like, team team christ you know what i mean that's yeah. that's my thing so good stuff man. um i listened to the whisper and moved to austin so you know all my buddies are here that i hadn't even met i met them virtually through this like online mastermind called tribe accelerator and um yeah man so they were just incredibly encouraging so as soon as i landed here in austin it was just like you know bounce back pretty quick yeah you had your boy it's, yeah were they all in austin as well or yeah yeah. So like I said, like, uh, when I met Mitchell, um, that was at a dinner for myself and another guy in our little organization. And there was 15 guys at a table and that was like my first day here. And it was for like my birthday. They never met me. So oh, it was like this kind of like generosity that like I never, ex- you know, expected or experienced from like anybody else. Um, so it was just like an incredibly warm welcome to Austin. And I was like, man, these guys are super cool. They're driven. They're in- intentional about life. And like, that's exactly who I need to surround myself with. And quite honestly, like, it's just grown more and more and more the more I like engage with these people. Do you feel like a fish out of water when you first engage with these people or was it more natural? Uh, it's pretty natural. I think that, you know, birds of a feather kind of thing, they flock yes. together. So, you know, if you're friends with friends, like kind of how we were introduced to each other, there's this like, in my opinion, like immediate connection to each other. Like we kind of speak the same language. So when there's people of that like mind, I think it's more natural than it is like contrived. Fair. Yeah. It's just guys being dudes, man. Just guys we being just dudes, man. Yeah. When you talked about, so you were like, you, you're how old again? Uh, I'm 31 and a half. I'll be 32 in July. Dude looks like he's freaking 22 straight out of a Hollywood movie. Um, <laughs> Thanks, bro. When you said you kind of had that, that spiritual moment, um, you know, at age, like in, in your thirties, mm-hmm. did you ever have a situation like that when you were saying in your twenties? Oh yeah. Or anything of that nature? Absolutely. My man, you know, I think the best way to answer that question is kind of starting off with my belief on like stages of life. Right. So without even getting into like your adolescence or whatever, it's like childhood, adolescence, you know, early twenties, whatever. But I think it's like, it's broken up into like 30 year chunks where it's like the first 30 years of your life are really just like trial and error, picking yourself up off the ground multiple times. Like most of it in my personal situation was like self-induced trouble that I love to get myself into like big partier, went to Virginia tech, like, tailgating like uh, you yeah. know like enter sandman's, BT, enter sandman's going <laughs> i'm blacked out my eyes are glossed oh gosh oh man this is 2011 too keep in mind so like times are a little different um <laughs> they're probably still the same i don't know but uh it was crazy but so i ended up getting in trouble a few times with the law with alcohol related charges and uh 
that was that was an eye-opening you know experience for me because like it was my sophomore year I felt like you know big man on campus I got through freshman year after like a few nicks with the law like underage like possession fake ID things like that uh in my sophomore year um I got in trouble again and my uh kind of like student tenure at Virginia Tech was being questioned by like the you know figureheads at the thing like I had to go through like processes and meetings to like plead my case as to why I should still be enrolled there um, and my parents loved them to death they were paying for me to go to college and I was dicking around and they were like you're coming home you're coming home and you know I had some you know legal proceedings from there just like stress that you wouldn't believe for a young man who like went from like not carrying the world to like oh crap like my life is like my life is ruined. Like I can't party with my friends in college. Like I'm back in Pennsylvania, just like working a construction job for this semester. And I'm blessed I did that because I ended up, you know, going to therapy for the first time. And it was like this lady who was like super awesome. She introduced me to meditation and like, you know, I really just like purged all these crazy negative emotions. And, um, what's crazy enough is like, that's when I got into like my spiritual journey of like, you know, synchronicity and like things like that and intention and manifestation that kind of thing um it's funny because then I, I like kind of cleaned up my act for like a couple months and like convinced everyone in my life that I was like good to go back to school and uh, I wasn't and so long story short the next like post-grad years like 23 to 29 I was partying I lived in Denver Red Rocks every weekend you know party drugs you name it um and that's like, what's funny is like that before and after picture I posted recently, it was like that one on the left, that's during that phase of me like partying too much, doing like all sorts of drugs and was just like not eating. And I was like frail, dude. And like, I was spiritually like hurt, really wrecked. And it wasn't until last year, um, December, 2022, I decided no more alcohol, no more alcohol. That's it. I know that like, you know, every time I would drink, I would be like, you know, five, six IPAs in like a matter of like two hours, Dang just like man. tossing it's a, them. It's a heavy, hazy <laughs> dude. It's the, it's the Irish in me, man. I'm, I'm majority Irish, a little Italian, a little Norwegian, but man, other than that, man, I could pound them. And so I was like, I'm such a hypocrite, dude. Like I'm such a hypocrite. I, I spend all this time working out, eating healthy, preaching this like freaking lifestyle to people. Um, and I'm boozing every weekend. I'm boozing after workouts. Like getting injured because my muscles are just getting thrashed, you know, and my liver's jacked, you know? And so I quit cold Turkey, man. Um, quit smoking weed. The first, um, time I quit drinking as well for the time being, just to kind of like wean me off of like both substances, just to kind of equilibrium, get the equilibrium back. Um, that was 15 months ago, man. And from there, um, you know, quite honestly, like what I went through in the last six months, moving here, all that stuff, like had I still been like indulging in alcohol, like excessively, like, man, my psyche would be like shattered. You know, I think that my inability or my ability to kind of like cut that out of my life has really opened up so many doors for me, dude. Like I don't advise people. I don't like preach a sobriety life. I don't preach anything. Like I'm just a dude who doesn't drink anymore. Mm. You know, like I work in the service industry right now in Austin part-time and like there's alcohol around me every time. And I'm not like looking at the booze being like, Oh my God, wouldn't it be sweet to like pound it in the back? No. Like for me, like subconsciously I, I reprogram my brain they're like neuroplasticity exercises to be like, alcohol is not a thing for you anymore. I want to hear back to your thoughts on when you, when you said you were 20 and like convincing mm -hmm. everybody that you're ready to go back to school. Mm -hmm. Did you convince yourself and fool yourself oh, that yeah. you were? Oh yeah. 
I think the first person we lie to is ourselves, right? Yeah. And I think that we subconsciously lie to other people that we love and care about and they care about us, whether it's your parents, your girlfriend, whatever. When we're young, there's a caveat on that. Like you shouldn't strive to do that. You know what I mean? But like if you're young and like you're kind of figuring yourself out, I think inherently when we're younger, we're like a little more self-centered and it's more coming from a place of ignorance as it is ill will. Um, you're kind of just like focused on yourself, getting good grades, like, you know, it's a very selfish time, those first 30 years of your life. Um, and what's really cool about guys like you who are younger than me, um, a lot of guys that I've met, I think the awareness like post COVID years, boom of the, like the new, you know, industrial revolution of like internet technology and like reprogramming the brain from like hustle culture to like really finding meaning in life and what you're doing. Um, it's just, it's incredible knowing that I like took away like the biggest demon that I was fighting with and just like put it to rest. What are your thoughts on the idea? And now when I say this, I don't necessarily believe it, but it definitely pops sure. up in my brain. Let's go for it. Is I think a guy in their twenties and the older I get, the, the more I realize how young the ages behind me are. Yeah, dude. I think there's so I, I don't think, but what does come to mind is there's a degree of pressure that guys need to have it felt like they need it all figured out. Oh, and yeah. if they don't, the world just comes crashing down. So it's better to sacrifice putting on this face and being like, I do have it figured out. I know what mm -hmm. I'm doing versus I'm completely lost, man. It, would, would you almost say this like a de defense mechanism against hundred percent? It's a mechanism that we build. I think subconsciously after like graduating from high school, leaving the, like flying the coop, getting away from mom and dad, uh, we're grossly underprepared in our society as young men and women, of course, but, speaking from our experience, young men, um, vastly under-equipped for the world. And I think that like college is like a delay into like experiencing like real life stuff. And I grew up really fortunate. Like I hadn't had to deal with a lot of loss up until, you know, I mean, I'm still speaking from a very blessed position. So I think that some people's like realness of their upbringings provide them more, you know, tools to deal with, you know, their, the real world, entering the real world, things like that. Like my girlfriend, for example, had the complete opposite upbringing than I did. Um, but she's like incredibly driven. Like she took her childhood, like the negative aspects of it and just like became this incredible, powerful woman because like she was, she had gone through stuff at an early age. So she was more equipped in her twenties to be an adult. For mm. me, for example, I had more of a cushy upbringing. Um, and that led to a lot of self-destruction because I was searching for meaning and self-medicating through these kind of like self-harming actions. Um, but it is a defense mechanism. And then when we're struggling in life, like the, the weak thing to do is pretend like you've got it all under control, in my humble opinion. The strong thing to do is to ask for help. Be vulnerable about something. Find a guy that you want to talk to or somebody you can trust and go for it. Just talk to him about what's on your mind. But had I known that earlier on in my life, you know, I, I maybe could have been spared some, you know, of these learning experiences. But, you know, where I'm at currently in my life, like, you know, I was answering some questions on my Instagram stories recently. And it was like, you know, would you do anything over if you could do it? And honestly, no, you know, I used to live with a lot of regrets with looking in the past, like way too much and just like hurting because of like the mistakes I made when I was younger. Um, so the best advice I can give anybody, especially in, you know, your shoes is like, if you've made mistakes, like make peace with it as soon as you can. And a lot of the times that takes, you know, years. So did it, was it, was it a hard pill for you to swallow that therapy was an option? No, my really? back was against the wall and I was like anything. Did you ever have any ill thoughts towards therapy prior? No, I, I really didn't. Um, luckily, like, you know, my household growing up, it wasn't like necessarily soft parenting by any means. Like my parents were like somewhat strict, like, you know, made us kind of like work for the things we wanted to a degree. Um, 
yeah, dude, it's tough, man. It's, I don't know. Do part of you feel like you were the man while you're going out and making all these mistakes? Oh, I mean, how did do, people perceive you and how did you perceive yourself of what others saw? Of I mean, it's funny enough that you say that, man, because I don't know what people perceived in me in college, but I know it wasn't great. Was, were you getting attention? Well, when I came back to school following that semester that I had withdrawn, uh, it was like, he's back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, my friends were all hyped. Like, you know, I convinced myself that I'm this, like, spiritual guru now, but I'm still, like, I, you know, went, you know, back to college and, like, you know, get drunk and do acid with my friends. And it was just, like, not, like, that progress I had made was just wiped away. So, therefore, I just, like, continued essentially doing what I was doing, learning these harsh lessons over and over again. Um, and honestly, man, like, that's it's funny to me now because I've made peace with it but for a long time it was like dude you suck you're a bum like really you know when, when do these thoughts start to come in as you're going through all of it because <sighs> I, I can't imagine that it's just there 24 7 no it's, it's got to be like the in the mirror moment I'll let you talk on I'm sorry no 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 not at all bro um I think it's um it would creep in when I would have moments of insecurity because like we all do you know no matter how like strong you feel or like I'm speaking from like a the 25 year old me like it was really just like, um, if I wasn't where I wanted to be in my life, like whether it was the job I wanted at a certain pay grade, like I would start to feel down and be like, well, you did all this in your past. Like, so you're kind of making up for it karmically, um, which there might be some truth to, to a degree. Cause you know, I was, I was self-centered and you know, to a degree, like, you know, I had, you know, a couple girlfriends in college and was like, broke up with them as if like, I never knew them. And like, that's hard to admit, you know? Because now, as a 31, 32-year-old man, I'm just like, man, I, I did cause some harm to people emotionally. And that's sometimes the, the deepest wounds and take the longest to heal. And I moved on quickly because I was like in a state of like fight or flight consistently. So I didn't have time to worry about it because I was getting myself into all this trouble. I was self-medicating with alcohol and weed and drugs and all this stuff. Um, but when I say this, it wasn't like, a, like I was doing it every day kind of thing. It was just like I would go hard when I would. Fair. You know? Um, so yeah, dude, looking back now, it's like, man, you, you got yourself into some trouble, but like you're here on the other side, like unscathed. And I think that had I not gone through those experiences, I would have not even like a shred of understanding of life that I do now. What are your thoughts on like marijuana and the hard party usage for, for people who are in their twenties now then? Yeah. I mean, I think marijuana should be treated as like a, as a reward for yourself. You know, if you're someone that like smokes consistently and whatever, like I know that there's a certain level of productivity that you can't reach if you're like waking bacon in the morning, you know, I don't care what strain you have, like that's like sativa, whatever. Gosh, um, you're speaking another language to me, man. <laughs> no, I used to live in Colorado and I used to partake heavily. Okay, so, yeah. that, that makes a little, that adds a little background. Yeah, a little background. But uh, it's kind of funny because I think this like, you know, openness that I'll bring to a conversation about like my past and like growth and whatnot, um, is really kind of insightful into my background because it's like it puts it sheds light on like some things that a lot of people are going through you mm -hmm. know people are in a world where they don't have a place they don't feel whatever and they're just like you know party culture is pretty prevalent and so you know that many lost people in society can really kind of bring strength to a wave of like party culture but like if you know if i've found like my center like most people who do that don't want to go out every weekend do you mm -hmm. know what i mean so I think the, you know, you go on 6th Street, wherever, rainy, it's like there are people that are just like pounding alcohol all the time. And I work in the service industry and I'm like, damn, you guys are throwing it back. And I, I'm not coming from a place of judgment. I'm coming from a place of like, I used to be in their shoes of like ordering three, four margaritas at dinner, yeah. you know? Um, 
but now that it's not in my life as like something that I'm even like looking at considering like I'm gonna drink that it's like okay like these people are you know, they might not all be dealing with something they might just be having a good time but like you know there's a certain level of like hmm if we can get more people like drinking less as opposed to like cutting out drinking because like no one wants a restricted life I'm not here preaching a, like sober living um, but for like marijuana specifically, I know it's like less harmful to the body than alcohol. So when it comes to like the health and wellness, you know, kind of circle that I run in in Austin, it's like, it's pretty prevalent. And like the people that do smoke that I know are killing it in life. So if you're like kind of like matching your energy and output to the world and like marijuana is not affecting it, smoke up. Fair. You know what I mean? I want to hear your thoughts because when, for my, my point of view, and this, this show is not about me whatsoever, <laughs> but like. In, like a discussion as a yeah. point like I think one of the things that you need to know is to know yourself to lead yourself mm. for me personally I know I'm not a weed guy yeah I, you know like yeah. it's just what would your argument be like for or pro or like what, what what's the aspect that you think gets people onto it or maybe if it were in moderation it would be appropriate yeah I mean honestly man like I know plenty of people that don't smoke and they're better without it fair so it's like anything that you introduce to your body um specifically in the realm of substances like there's all this discussion about psychedelics and the medicinal practice and like you know dealing with trauma and things like that um are you familiar with these type of practices I, I, i've heard of them yeah yes. for like veterans and people who have gone through a ton of shit like can we curse on this thing i don't care it, okay it, cool it, it, all about your perspective <laughs> i'm right, just cool. trying to be a guide here yeah 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 um you know so like the whole like medicinal journey behind psychedelics things like that um that's a really interesting point that a lot of people don't think about. Like I know people that have, you know, gone through psychedelic experiences and they've just like, I mean, I've had plenty of psychedelic experiences and like when I was doing these kind of things, you know, more frequently in my earlier years, it was like a party drug. And then one night I got knocked on my face and it was like, what psychedelics do is like, they really make you look hard at yourself in the mirror which is what you're not supposed to do when you're on psychedelics is look in the mirror. <laughs> Cause it's like, it's a bad trip waiting to happen. Um, but it really connected you to like this higher source vibration. Um, and then I, I really had this hard look in the mirror and I was like, dude, you have got to change your ways. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, over time, whether it be substance or experience through meditation or whatever, um, you can really kind of reprogram your brain into like thinking what's important in life. So. That was kind of all over the place, man. But no, it's no. such a complex topic, you know? No, I feel like these are things that need to be discussed. I mean, yeah. Just like to disclose, I personally don't advocate for that stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong in right. doing or your beliefs in that. I guess that's one of the hard conversations that I personally need to be like, mm-hmm. because w- I, I guess the whole concept of this podcast is I'm supposed to let you guys talk about what you believe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And maybe, maybe I don't agree with it, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's shameful sure. to you. It's your life. So right. this is kind of like a learning step for me even, man, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, you are certainly allowed to say what you want. This is the whole point of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, that's the thing is like, I'm not advocating for anyone Fair. to do psychedelics. Fair. Like to me now as someone who hasn't like touched it since I've been sober has yes. been like, I'm glad I did it when I did don't advocate anybody just going out and trying these things, especially like not guided. Like if you look into these things, there are people that can guide you that are like healers and stuff in that realm. But all that being said, like that's behind the curtain now in that era of my life. So Mm -hmm. I, I use that like sort of like, um, those experiences, they're all really in depth, like, um, introspective journeys. When that happens, usually you, you feel some type of way about yourself. If there's like some things that you have unhealed in your life, it's going to bring it to the forefront. That's why people use it for healing those kind of traumas, like for 
uh, medicinal purposes. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just like a party drug. So I'm glad it's behind me, but, um, I think that's what kind of makes me relatable to a lot of people is that like people have done things they're not proud of, but now if they're like making consistent steps in their life to like not be that person anymore, it becomes more of like a, a palatable topic for people. Cause like, Hey, I used to be kind of a shithead and now I'm not. And like, mm. here's how to like help younger guys or whoever avoid those kind of like costly mistakes that might cost you like mm. eight years of your life of like regret quote. Do you know what I mean? I understand that sentiment. Mm-hmm. How much do you think that kind of stuff, like the second, I don't, is, is it, is it drugs? I don't know. How so, I mean, like, it's usually like, it's either LSD or a mushroom dose, which is like, I mean, they're all schedule one drugs. So like, don't do them. Um, but you know, on topic of like me getting in trouble and stuff, like I wasn't concer- concerned at the time about what was legal and what wasn't. Um, so some of these experiences that people are having and like, uh, say you're a veteran, you were at war and you need to come back and like readjust. There are people that like veterans associations that essentially like help guide you through a psychedelic experience through like professional experience, like guides, like trip sitters essentially. And for a lot of people, it's like really healed a lot of inner darkness for them. But on the other side of that coin, a lot of these experiences aside from the whole veteran thing, but just people in general, like you can have like a really not good time yeah. if, if things go wrong, if you have things in your life that are like a little bit shaky, if you're on, on solid ground, you're going to feel that way more than if you were just like at peace with yourself and like, you know, on it, like, I think honesty, like we all like back to what you were saying, like, were you kind of like lying to yourself, whatever, um, being honest to yourself is like the number one thing you could do in your life. Fair. And so you're not honest about your past like you can't can't move forward you know yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah like the 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 like i said i feel like i'm kind of talking in circles it's first time having a conversation like this too yeah for, man. For, on my behalf mm-hmm. it's just like it'd be very difficult for me to sit here and just think like a guy that's lost somebody going off the wrong path with stuff like that oh like, easily you know? i've seen it happen yeah that's what it's I'm scary it, yeah there's a reason that you know um, the, the military and the government made LSD for the first time. It was a clinical, you know, uh, scientist sort of backed operation. Albert Hoffman made it for the first time. And through then it was distributed among the hippie movement in like the late or mid to late sixties. Um, Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco is a big, you know, output for this drug. And a lot of people will say that it was supplied by the government to kind of discredit the anti-war movement for Vietnam. Mm. all these hippies were protesting and the one way to make people look really bad is if these hippies start acting up because they're tripping their balls off every day Gosh, and they're homeless and think about these anything about this and think before. about people who were coming to this area in the 60s they were runaways they were people coming from ohio or pennsylvania or new upstate new york to go to california to hang out with you know crosby stills and nash and all these folk singers that were like you know the neil youngs the the whole laurel canyon crew were just like free peace and love and drugs and um so these sort of programs and this is all like freedom of information act like this is stuff you can look up were used by the government and like not to be like the guy that mentions the cia all the time because i don't (laughs) um but it's like yeah they were using that um for like tests in regards to like the human mind's ability to like be programmed using these substances really yeah I've Crazy. never heard of that stuff. Oh, dude, man. this is this is black belt level stuff, bro. Yeah, this is black cow. belt. I this is know stuff. You, a belt system. No, there is, uh, man. And when you're in your 20s, man, no offense, like especially early 20s, you're like at least like a an orange belt. You know what I mean? An orange belt? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's uh, one up from white. I don't know, but, dude. I don't know the belts either. But. Well, it's like those 10 years of my life that like I went through the mud to the higher ground. Like 
that was the, the learning experience of just like that 10 years that I can look and just be like, I understand stuff way more. And like, I love history. Like I look into everything that's ever happened. Um, I used to be really into current events and that really jacked my psyche up for a little bit. Why is that? What, what, um, what just, made you cling to current events? Uh, just like uh, lack of control in my life. You know what I mean? Was it the compensation thing? Yeah, or? of course. Okay, it okay, was okay. a compensation thing supporting like, oh, like if I know everything that's going on in the world and form an opinion about it and act like I know what's going on, somehow that's going to make my shitty life better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, that does make sense, yeah. So looking back now, I'm like, I'm not much of a news reader right now. I know a lot of it's like kind of wishy-washy as it is. And like whatever side of the fence you're on doesn't matter. Like I think, you know, we should all be like mindful of our community and like whatever comes down the pipeline we're going to have to deal with anyways kind of thing. So yeah, man, crazy. So I like when you said you were a hypocrite because you were, you were working out, mm -hmm. but you were also doing all these things that were just terrible for your body. For sure. What, what I, when, when you say that I envision a scale, right? Yeah. And like here's partying and mm -hmm. then like the workout kind of goes up here. Yeah. Is, is there balance in that at all? Uh, should I, people try to steer? Uh, I, it, it's a hard frame this question because I don't want to ever steer anybody into drug use drink right, all you yeah. can to figure yourself out like i like to think there's better ways but you live that and that's just a reality that we live in for sure people do fall off and mm -hmm. do stuff that they shouldn't and learn from mm -hmm. uh, does that give you enough substance to yeah navigate? i mean the way i look at it is like when i was in my early 20s i would like i mean i would go hard in the evenings and then wake up and me and my buddies would like take pre-workout and go to the Dang. gym and go to the gym and just be like pushing out prs Dang. and there's like I think that when you burn the candle at both ends at a young age, the harder it is to kind of recoup in your like late 20s, early 30s. Um, luckily, during that time, I was working out. I was eating pretty clean, so I was able to maintain a certain level of like fitness, and that looked a lot different over the years. Um, like when I was 27, I was skin and bone, man. I was vegetarian. I was 150. What brought you into being vegetarian? Sorry to interrupt. Dude, no, no. It's good, man. It was um, just like the plant-based craze of like 2017, man. It was like it was like all these like documentaries that were like really convincing were coming out about how like detrimental, like, you know, red meat was to your life, which is ironic now because I drink raw eggs every day, eat yeah. steaks. Like, it's <laughs> like, I'm all about it. I'm all about that life. But, um, yeah, dude, I was 150 pounds. I was like not strong. I think I was eating a ton of soy and we all know what that does. And so like I was depressed. I was living in Chicago. It was, it was a rough couple of years, man. Um, then I moved to Colorado and everything changed. Everything changed. I just like, one day it was like, I need to eat meat again. I feel sick. And, you know, I was sitting across from someone eating a, a tomahawk steak. Cause I was like, I'm going to go big when I break this like vegetarian thing, you know? Yeah. And they were like, your pupils are huge. Like my pupils got big from eating meat. And I felt this like energy course in my body and say what y'all want. But it was like, I felt it, you know? And so it, it, the game changed for me from there. Did you, do you embrace change? Do you thrill for change? You Is know, it? I think, um, it's an interesting question, Jack, because it's like a lot of people seek out change and sometimes change is good and sometimes it's chaotic. You know what I mean? And I think that like if you're growing up in like a chaotic background, like a lot of people who haven't made peace with that, like kind of seek chaos in their life. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So. Because I asked this because, and I'm, I want you to answer this. Um, when you were a vegetarian, now, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I'm sure when you first tried it, you were telling your buddies, like, dude, I feel so much better. Oh, yeah. You know? And, like, just the change aspect of that, like, sounds like a complete 180. Dude, you know, I, like, was, I was a personal trainer. I had made an ebook because those were hot at the time. Oh, good stuff. What uh, year was that? Uh, 2016, 2017, somewhere uh -huh, in there. Yeah. And it was called Lean Vibe Fit. Yeah. It was all about <laughs> lean, being, 
eating machine, eating vegetables and like how you don't eat animals to like, you know, whatever. But over time, what that changed into was like, okay, like factory farming is gross. We all know that like slaughterhouses are gross, but if yeah. you can sustainably source your meats, your eggs, your cheeses, whatever, you're in good shape, man. And that's what I try to do now. And, um, I think the most important thing I want to focus on is like how those first 30 years of your life, no matter what you go through, whether you like fall down, get in trouble, do things that aren't good for yourself. Like you've got time to figure it out because right now at 31, almost 32, I feel like it's like those old infomercials where you see those old guys like doing those like stretches and they're like, I'm 80 years old and I feel like I'm 20 again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm 32. It's still really young. I have the youth of like physicality in my favor at this point. But I also have a lot more experience than I did sitting in your seat right there. Because you're 24? Yeah, 23. 23? Jordan year. Yeah, almost 10 years, like nine years. So um, that experience has afforded me like a little bit of peace of mind with, you know, knowing where I'm at in life and then also just like, you know, cut myself some slack. I think I was really hard on myself through all those mistakes. And I think a lot of guys are like their own worst enemy. And so when they're not feeling super good about something, they just like stop trying or not going as hard. But um, I think for me, removing the alcohol um, was the number one thing I could have done in my life. And back to your question, like, what do you like talk to people if they're into the fitness circle and they like party and stuff? It's like, do it in moderation. Like, make sure you're hydrating, make sure you're eating. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't do anything that's going to like sacrifice like a good night's sleep or whatever. Like, it's just all in moderation, which is something that I couldn't do. That's why I stopped. You know what I mean? What was the, uh, there was a quote I read the other day. I forget who said it or where I read it, but it was like every everything must be in moderation, even moderation. Yeah. It, it may even been a podcast you were on. I don't know, but it just blew my mind. It was like, holy cow. Yeah, man. It's with anything. And I think, you know, I saw a lot of comfort in those like kind of like activities because it would like numb out the discomfort I was feeling. So discomfort from, from just like mistakes and just like not being like, say for example, I was in college and I just like gotten arrested for a fake ID and I had to go over to school. Like that discomfort was like really terrible. And like, I was living a very comfortable life up until that point. So like dealing with that discomfort and like adversarial nature of the stuff I was getting into um, made me really like clear minded when it came to like, I never want to put myself in a situation that a I'll be behind bars. I'll not be able to see my loved ones and not have say of like freedom of movement. Like those things are like so intangible as we go through our day to day life. But as soon as it's taken away, you're like, wow. You know, like freedom is such like a, like personal freedom to me is like such a big thing. That's what I believe in. I don't belong to any political party. I lean more into terms of like, you know, you, you could be gay with your AR guarding your pot plants. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's this whole like libertarian aspect of like, you know, let everybody do what they want as long as they're not hurting people. Like, you know, I think people get really pigeonholed in society, especially nowadays. Like say, for example, like, you go out shooting with your buddies and like a certain like sensitive group of people will be like, they have guns. They're like right wing extremists. And it's like, no, I'm not. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm a multifaceted person. Like I work with people from South America, people coming here for a better life. I have plenty of like protected class people in my life that I love and care for that. I want the best for them that it's like, it's hard for people to kind of realize that people can be more than just one thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like with my sort of like personal brand that I'm going for is like, you're not going to look on my page and see like one thing, like one theme, like whether it's like outdoors content or fitness content or like relationship stuff. It's like, my mom's always called me like a Renaissance man. Like I, I do like, 
I believe in the arts. Like I like history, like, you know, music and all this stuff, like things about the world. Um, and uh, just kind of showcasing that to be like, hey, you can, you can be both. You can, you can do both things. You can believe in both things. Like the right first, like the founding fathers had some really great things to say. Now, were they cracked up? All they were cracked up to be as history reports? Probably not. But like the right to, you know, the pursuit of happiness, like liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I believe everybody should have that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but that's just kind of like a little more texture to the convo. Baby. No, it's perfect. I mean, this whole podcast is about yeah. providing perspectives and yeah. I honor you sharing that. Like yeah. whether if I agreed with it or not, I won't disclose it's up for people. This is up for everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah, I completely honor that. Yeah, man. That. When you were in college, uh, there's a quote by Lewis Howes that says you can never, or you can slow down, but you can never stop. Mm. Did you ever slow down? Did you have a moment where you stopped and what was those, either of the, those processes look like? Yeah, dude, I never stopped. Yeah. If, even if it was at like a snail's pace, like I was still like doing things for myself, like trying to like, whether it be journaling or like going for a run, like I never stopped and like took a year or two off from working out or anything like that. So what's, what's really cool and encouraging, I think you have to be your own biggest fan and like endorser because like seeking validation from other people, whether it's your friends or social media, or your girlfriend, your parents, whatever. Um, if you don't believe in yourself and that's so corny to say, but it's like, you know, that self assurance of like, Hey, I've been through the mud. Like I have pulled myself up from those moments, like, and I'll be able to do it again. So all this anxiety of life of like, what's going to happen and like where I'll be in this amount of years doesn't really matter because if you're going waking up every day and you're like, this life thing is temporary, dude, it's temporary. And if I can wake up every day, just like charging through life, like removing the one crippling crutch weakness I had in my life, which was alcohol and that sort of party lifestyle. I'm unstoppable, dude. I'm unstoppable because like, and that might sound arrogant, but if you think that you can be stopped, you're going to not start. I agree with that. Do you know what I mean? And I think some people, and I'm not one of them, would <laughs> say that's selfish to a degree, but I would say that's a sense of healthy selfishness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people kind of put that to the back seat sometimes understanding like mm -hmm. every time you're selfish doesn't mean it's necessarily bad there's no. a degree of healthy selfishness that oh, you yeah. need to have for your life well it maybe maybe this would work uh, you know let's say you don't drink and somebody's mm -hmm. like yo dave have this drink it's like no mm -hmm. i mean some people would view that as selfish but like yeah no that's good for you man yeah luckily like everybody even though like austin's known as like a party town everyone goes out and all this stuff it's like every time i've been out and like or at like someone's house offer me a drink people don't know me and i'm like no i actually don't drink i've been sober 15 months they're like oh my god congrats like i wish i was i had the willpower to stop like some people are like that's what i meant when i'm like i feel like people are hurting because like some people will hear me say that and be like damn like i i wish i could do that mm. and you can you can limit yourself in order to you know further yourself honestly you know how'd you get into the modeling stuff Ooh, i like where this is going this is a fun one so when I moved to Colorado, I was like, I kind of dabbled in um, like sort of like athletic wear modeling in Chicago, like freelance stuff. I'm only 5'10", shout out Short Kings, let's go. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was not getting any commercial work in Chicago because it's like a very traditional, what I mean by that is like, you have to be like 6'1 to 6'3". Really? It's like a very, like most agencies won't even look at your resume or your portfolio if you're like under six. They make you take your shoes off for that measurement? They measure your ass at the agency, man. I've tried. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of just was like kind of discouraged by that. Moved to Colorado, looked up modeling agencies just on a whim. And I had enough pictures from Chicago to kind of like have a decent portfolio. 
And uh, at the time, I had started growing my hair out, and so I had like some like shag and like I the beard. I seen the picture on the IG, man. Let's go hard. I do, yeah. They, it was flow, and uh, yeah, man. So I walked in, and I had this portfolio, and I was really confident that day for some reason. And I met with, I just walked into this, you know, agency downtown, and uh, Donna Baldwin Agency. They gave me my first chance ever at modeling. They were like, "We love your look. We'll sign you up. Sign the like the waiver and the contract and everything." And um, super above board, like they're a really well-known, you know, agency in Denver. They've been doing it for like 40 years. And um, so, yeah, you know, I get this call from my agent. They're like, are you available to fly to Montana, uh, you know, next week? And I'm like, sure. They're like, the rate's like two grand a day. And I'm like, sure. And I quit my sales job and I'd only been working there for like three weeks because I was like, for some reason, I feel like I'm just gonna have to quit this thing. I had no money, no, like, it was a really dumb move, hindsight, but I wasn't going to be able to get the time off, so I was like, screw it, I'm out. And I uh, got on a plane, Denver Airport, flew up to Kalispell, Montana uh, with the crew. Ended up shooting with this like pretty famous you know, photographer. He's a wilderness photographer. His name's Alex Stroll. He's like 2 million followers on Instagram. I had, I had no idea who this dude was. And I'm some chump who's never really modeled like for a professional. You probably didn't look like a chump. Sorry, that was first thought. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I was looked like a champ. Yeah, that's see, that's <laughs> self-limiting stuff. But I'm just referring back to the time. Like this was the era that I was like pretty like skinny and like okay. kind of, I was still partying. So somehow deserved this this uh, this shoot. And we shot in Glacier National Park, and it was like the full fall winter collection for like men and women. And I was up there for like I think it was like five days of shooting, and it was unbelievable. And I was like on the back cover of magazines and on like all over there, like. Dude. And it's a, it was Fjallraven, which is like a Swedish outdoor company. It's actually Fjallraven, means Arctic Fox in uh, Swedish. Oh, that's a pretty good And it's a, cool it's a badass uh, company. And they're right up there with like North Face and things like that. Like their same caliber of like adventure clothing and gear and backpacks and stuff like that. So I ended up getting on these covers and stuff. And uh, that kind of catapulted my uh, relationship with that company because they would further use me down the line with like a photo shoot to New Zealand. Like, I get this phone call from one of the guys I know at the company. He's like, what are you doing two weeks from now? I'm like, nothing. And he's like, you want to go to New Zealand with us? And I'm like, I lost it, man. Like, that, one of the happiest moments I still remember to this day. And, like, I get there. Like, I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. Like, shout out Lord of the Rings, man. Growing up watching that. Like, <laughs> That's in New Zealand? Yeah, man. They I shot know. all that in New Zealand. And um, we had this amazing production company out there. And we did, like, helicopter you know, we were being essentially me and this other female model. It's like a guy and a girl. It's kind of like standard shoot stuff. Uh, literally getting dropped off on the top of this mountain by heli. They would peel off the mountain, come in, shoot us as we're hiking through. Um, and it was literally so magical, dude. So it was five days of that. I felt high on life. Got home 2020, March. We all know what happened there. Yeah. So like all the wind was taken out of my sails. And I kind of like put on the loser costume and was like, oh, like, you know, that was such a great shoot. And you know, it was pretty lucrative and, and I was like, I felt really good coming off of it. And then I felt like, you know, what was happening in the world was really kind of like harsh in my vibe and like, you know, couldn't really like help because like no one was shooting anymore. No one was hiring people mm. for photo shoots because it was COVID time. And uh, so it kind of like teetered off from there. I st kind of still worked with that brand like here and there, like not anything like crazy, like going to New Zealand, but, um, you know, worked with other brands here and there. Um, then when I moved to Montana, there was really like no modeling scene. So I kind of got off that train for like six, seven months, moved to Austin. I made it like immediately got a agency, the block agency, um, and started working again. And so I'm doing modeling again 
And I recently just did this whole like six, seven hour shoot with this company called Huckberry. And they're based in Austin. They're like a men's like clothing, like rugged, like badass clothing. Um, and they've got like, you know, half a million followers on Instagram. So all this momentum is picking up on me, uh, for me, excuse me. And I'm just like, man, no longer are the days of me thinking like scarcity. Do you know what I mean? Like thinking that something good will happen to you and it does happen to you, that reassures your way of thinking every day. Cause you're like, if I limit myself in my mind, I'm not going to do anything in the real world. But if I don't limit myself in my mind, like there's really all, all you can do is just like go up. Do you know? I like that because I think anybody that just believes that they'll never get out of their state of Mm -hmm. maybe it might be resentment towards something or just feeling bad for themselves. Mm -hmm. You're going to live life miserably. Yeah. You never decide to change that. I've been there. Feeling sorry for yourself is like, one of the worst feelings, but it's also one of the most addictive feelings if you're used to it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so you just got to stop that shit. Yeah. You know? And that's not to say that you're not going to have moments where you feel sad. Oh, of course. I feel sad all the time. Like real shit happens in life. You know, there's a balance between like making yourself sad and being sad as a, you know, a reaction to something that's like actually sad. Correct. Do you know what I mean? Like I have two dogs, they're nine and 10 years old. I'm like one day, both of them are going to be in the ground. Mm. You know, that is a little sad, man. It's sad. So I'm trying to see that was a little, little bit of an experiment. It's like, we have to feel those emotions in life, right? Like we can't, you know, all these quotes about, you can't have sunshine without the rain. Like that's so true. And you know, things I would tell my younger self is like, it will get better. It Mm. will get better. So if you're not where you're at in your life, like, Sorry to admit it, dude, like it might not happen when you want. It might not happen any time close to when you think it's going to happen. You think, oh, 26, 27, I'm going to have it figured out. I'm going to be solid. Yeah. And sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're like, oh, I'm going to meet the love of my life by the time I'm 30, 31, 32. Sometimes it's not going to happen. Yeah. But luckily for me, and it sounds like for you, you know, we've garnered the things in our life that we've been seeking, whether it's a loving relationship, a cool apartment, great city, all the things that we wish we had at a certain point in our life and we're experiencing now, it's a really important reminder to think about those things and be mindful of it, you know? What are your thoughts on this argument? I think it would be, and you know what? I might believe this more than just top of mind thing, but I don't want to neglect the wisdom that I would have in retrospect to this. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say I fully believe this, but sure. would you say it's more important for a guy to in, in his 20s, so you 10 years ago, to be more content and fulfilled with where he is now than to have a goal and a direct vision for his dream? Ooh, I think combo, combo time. You don't you, think you can binarily switch it? I think or? you can. Um, I think having a direct goal is like incredibly important. Like when I wrote down in this journal, like what I wanted an ideal woman, like I think putting ink on paper is like a life-changing thing. And this is coming from someone like, don't get it twisted y'all. Like I'm still growing. Like, I don't come from this place of like, perfection and wisdom and things like that come from you don't come off that way good i appreciate that (laughs) i come from a place of experience and like um so for me like your question was like you know would you rather just be content with where you're at versus having a goal i think that patience is one of the hardest things to learn and i'm not a patient person there's a line at a store i'm like i'm out you know i'm (laughs) I'm like forget it not my problem you know um so for me like having that goal of like meeting someone amazing and or like meeting an amazing like i I did the same thing for like my group of friends. Like I wrote down like an ideal group of friends. If I was going to meet someone for the first time, I would set an intention ink to paper of what that interaction would be like, including what we're doing right now. I did the same thing. So having that directness and intention behind every little thing that you do, whether it's grand scale, life vision, 
or like day-to-day stuff is incredibly important. Um, do that and you will be content with where you're at. Dang, man. Yeah, man. It's like the, uh, there was some quote, uh, Ed Milet. Love that guy, dude. He's yes. G. When, when he said, when you write something down, you're taking it out of like mm-hmm. just your brain and put it out to the physical universe. Yeah. And it's just amazed me. Let's put the tinfoil hat on for a second. I think that, you know, writing things down in our notes on our iPhones or whatever is like, is uh, short circuiting like the magic of life, which is, you know, it's not physical. Like you essentially putting a text in your phone that can, you know, you turn your phone off, it's gone. Yeah. So if you have it sitting in your notebook, it's not going anywhere. You'd have to burn this thing for this stuff to not be real anymore. That's true. Do you know what I mean? I, no, I do because I had an argument, or not an argument, but a discussion with a buddy <laughs> yeah. earlier this week because one of my goals this year was to read the Bible every single day. Nice. Well, some of the days it's been like midnight. I'm like, oh, I haven't read the Bible yet. I'll bring up the Bible app on my phone. And I, I just, there's, I, I told him there's something different between just reading it on your phone oh, yeah. and then opening up the book. Like, mm-hmm. I, I got it sitting right here. I was looking at that. I keep looking. I was like, it's, it's got the gold edges. It's got to be a Bible. Yeah, man. My Hell mom yeah. got it for me. And like, just actually physically reading it. It's yeah. something about it that feels it better. It's a pattern interruption. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I could, right after reading the Bible app, I can just go on yeah. my phone and Dude, do that. It. Nothing will make you sleep better than reading that thing before it, bed. It's nuts, man. Yeah. And just the... Yeah. Take take anything aside from the book that you want, like mm-hmm. whether you believe it or not. There's some good stuff in there, man. Oh yeah, man. But, uh, opening and it sounds like you're open to perspectives too. Of course, man. It, what was your journey kind of been like with that? And I'm not going to speak on my beliefs here. This is yeah, your time for no sure. No judgment whatsoever. Absolutely, man. And and uh, let me start off by saying like what I know is that I don't know, right? Beautiful dog. What I know is that I don't know, <laughs> Do you man. Practice that line. No, dude, just off the dome, man. No, it's and, pretty good. Uh, I'm not gassing you up. No, uh, man. A little harder here, but. Man, talking about this subject is so cool because it's like so polarizing and triggering for a lot of people. Of Understandably so. I have my problems with the church. I think when you put man between God, you're going to have some fallacies. It's the whole story of the Bible, fallen angels, you know. Um, whatever's happening right now in the world, I think, is following that script. Um, and what's unique about that story of, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, whatever, um, not to like fall into like this sort of cold mindset of like, the Christ archetype, but there's archetypes in life. And for me, like, we don't really know what Christ was up to in the first 30 years of his life. He dies when he's 33. And so for me, like, when I was a, a boy, like a young boy, I always felt this sort of, like, tug between, like, forces of evil, forces of good. And I think that that maybe was due to my Christian upbringing. Like, you know, it was Catholic, so it was like a little fire and brimstone sometimes, you know what I mean? Um, so I was a kind of like operating out of a face, place of fear. Um, but as I've gotten older, looking back on the times we had spoken about in the first half of the podcast, like debauchery, essentially, like I think as story of the Bible, it's like God's like speaking to the devil on my behalf, being like, give David all that you can offer him the parties, the lifestyle, whatever, the, the looks, the vanity, the self-centeredness, the arrogance, which is all the devil can offer you. But he'll come back to me. There was this moment where I felt released from a certain way of life that was essentially, you know, brought upon, I brought upon myself as a, like a teenager, like freshman year, I started drinking, you know, casually, parties, whatever. I think that something had a hold of my direction in life and they were fighting tooth and nail to not get me up. Because they knew that, oh, this guy is kind of influential in terms of like how he speaks to people. Like he would be a really awesome bad dude. Like he would be good at that. 
You know what I mean? He could make people believe him and manipulate them and this and that and, and yada yada. Um, which I was never really a manipulative person, but it, you get the theme that I'm going for with this, like you're offered this shiny package of like worldly things, fleshly things. Um, but when all that fizzles out and the, the, the dust clears and you're left with nothing except pain and regret, the only person you have to thank for is yourself. But luckily for you, you don't have to do it by yourself to get back up. And to me, like when I was going through changes in life and it stuck with me when I stopped drinking, like I feel like that severed connection to a higher power through those sort of actions was restored and I had a direct line to the creator force and it was just like the blessings came my way heavy they're like we see what you're doing we see all the things that you've cut out of your life that have been making you upset and like ruining your chance of a happy life we're going to reward you with the most amazing time period of your life Mm. so to me that was God's hand in my life because I gave it up I was like I don't know what I'm doing in life. I'm sad. I don't know where I'm going. I just live in Montana in the middle of nowhere. I don't know where to move. And then essentially like a download, like a prayer request answered, like you got mail. Move to Austin. Meet the love of your life. Meet the most amazing dudes you've ever met. Have a great job. Have a really cool time documenting your life so that one day you can show your kids and your grandkids like, dude, grandpa was dope. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And I, I can't do that without have had those negative experiences and going through that like um, schism of like you got to give your life up to, to a higher power therefore they will direct you mm. do you know what I mean so when it comes to the bible and things like that like I love the story of you know David it's my namesake you know like the story of David and Goliath and um, actually just there's this uh bodybuilding apparel company called Sunday Mass. Have you heard of it? I don't think I have. Dude, you got to look it up. They have like sick like crew neck sweatshirts and like shirts. And it's like one of them was like, it says like consequences and like gothic writing. And it's a picture of like Jesus turning over the uh, the temple with like all the money changers. You know that story in the Bible where he like flips it all over. Um, And there's the t-shirt that I got. I just ordered. I'm pumped. It's like this like dope like bone colored t-shirt with like kind of like craggles in it and the bone um, color, that's not nice. yeah it, me. yeah it's like that uh, that pillar you got right oh, there good stuff. and it says uh, conquer in the same gothic writing and it's a picture of David holding Goliath's head like oh, dang. and it's like gym attire but like Christian gym attire yeah. I'm like so pumped to get it but I think there's so many like allegories to life in that story that have just been twisted over the years by greed hungry people and men and you know. Churches all over the world are so corrupt, but there's so many good people that I know that, are, that believe the word of God, mm. and they're the most exceptional people on the planet. Certainly. Doesn't mean that I think that there can't be exceptional people who don't believe that, because to each their own. What I know is that I don't know, right? But I do have a strong sense of where my life has been and where it's led me based on my belief in a certain sort of moral compass, which is provided to me by that book. That was really good, man. Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I don't read it often. I read, my mom got me this thing. My mom, dude, your mom got you that. My mom got yeah. me this thing. It's like this daily devotional where it's like, there's a couple like scripture passages and then there's like a little paragraph that the author wrote to like, as if Jesus is speaking to you of like, you know, how to interpret them and stuff like that. And whenever I start with my day with that, it's like a good, good day. Right. You know? 
as we as we come to a close, I do want to ask. Yeah. I know a lot of times people focus on what is the best thing or what people should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to take a, a backwards approach to that, mm-hmm. and I want to hear your thoughts on what are what are the worst things or something that a guy can be doing in his twenties to absolutely ruin his life. If you had to avoid one thing, ooh, dude, pornography, one hundred percent, pornography. You can't moderate that. It affects the brain worse than cocaine. Like, if you look at brain scans, it's like a porn addict's brain looks worse than a cocaine addict's brain. And it, in some certain, like, studies show that it, like, really just, like, disintegrates the, the gray matter of your brain. And, like, mm. it's really crazy. And I never really, like, struggled with it. Like, I was never just, like, addicted to porn. But, like, that sort of, like, there's a book we all know the way of the superior man, David data. I'm not sure. I haven't heard of that. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. Oh, what a um, but he refers to it as the, the slight reward of a genital sneeze. Meaning, you know, if you're, you know, indulging these sort of activities and you're like essentially ejaculating, that's your life force going out into the world and essentially not being stored. So like, I'm a kind of a believer in like semen retention and things like that to a firm degree, because I do think that that's, you know, having that, charged up in you gives you way more drive and actually testosterone. And I think the most important thing for a man is like a healthy level of testosterone and like your, you know, testosterone levels like essentially double every week you withstand from like ejaculating and like, you know what I mean? So Mm. I think without a man's like prime driver, which is testosterone, he can be really complacent. That's where I'm getting at. I'm not even coming from like a moral perspective. I'm coming from a place of like what it does to your body and like your drive. Um, So if you're just out busting nuts left and right, um, you're not going to be freaking motivated to yeah. do anything because that's the one thing as men that we're put on this earth to do is to procreate biologically. Right? So if we're tricking our brains to think, Oh, we just, we just made a baby, but the baby's in your freaking sock. You know what I mean? It's like, that really does a lot of harm to young men's brains, yeah. dude, especially when they're developing, it prolongs the development of your prefrontal cortex. So for me, it's like, if you're withstanding from anything like, have a couple of beers here and there if you want to like not give away you know your your freedom to choose what you want to do but like i always advise people to stay away from pornography not to say masturbation is bad in my opinion but like pornography will, will jack you up because it also distorts your your reality of like what you know romantic encounters with a female should be like and like mm. expectations and things like that it really kind of warps your mind and i dealt with that so i do like how you carp- uh differentiated the the physiological yeah. like, perspective and then mm-hmm. touch on the moral. Yeah, yeah man. I've never really had it explained. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might next time that comes up in conversation, I think I'm going to do that. Do it's, it, man. Yeah. You know, that was good. Thanks dude. Yeah. And uh, what was the other point I had on that? It was, uh, Oh yeah. Just self-discipline in a nutshell. Yeah. Like if you can resist, if man can resist his biggest urge mm-hmm. and probably, I mean, we, this can get very biological as like, we want to reproduce. Yeah. It's a just, sexual driver. Yeah. If you, if you can control that, then dude, you can control anything in your life. Mm-hmm. And People say that, you know, the sexual energy of life is the same as the creative energy of life. Mm. So if you can harness it and to not going out in the world, the wrong ways. And like, you know, there's this meme that's like, every time you feel like watching porn, do 50 push-ups, and then it's like, comes back, and he's just like jacked, and it's like, Jesus Christ, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you uh. can transform that energy and put it into a workout, put it into a creative outlet, and you'll feel much better than if you just take the easy way out. And like, a lot of people, you know, uh, will watch porn if they're anxious, because mm-hmm. it gives you that little dopamine boost to be like, oh, everything's okay. I did have uh, a gentleman at my school who, 
who took that concept and painted it very well. Mm. And it was when when people indulge into stuff like that, you're you're not doing it just because you're a guy and it's like, oh my yeah. my drive is out the wall. Yeah, you know, I'm such a stud. Yeah, you're, you're compensating for something. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a hole that you're filling that you're building an endless pit for yourself. You're just going to continue to mm -hmm. go down a path. Like That's that. a really good way to put it, dude. And like the best piece of advice I can give anybody guy or girl is like, find out what that hole is in your, in your life and ask yourself, what am I filling this hole with? Is it productive? Is it constructive? Am I healing my wounds from my life or am I numbing myself? So people think they're the same thing, but they're not. And it'll take years of your life of like, you actually have to do the work to like reflect on yourself and where you've been and who you are. And like, Am I the person that I say I am? <laughs> Damn. You that, know? That mirror conversation hits hard. Yeah. Goggins does it very well. Um, but, you know, Goggins can only talk for himself. He can try to motivate you, but you got to get to it, man. Yeah, dude. It sucks. And I think, like, just to, like, leave it at this, like, me um, showing myself, because that's all, like, all you have to do is, like, consistently show up every day for yourself so that you can be an amazing friend, son, brother, boyfriend, that's where people get it twisted with the whole selfish thing. It's like, if you're living your life for somebody else, you're going to be half the man that you could be. Mm. So if you take care of yourself and do what you need to do, for me and my personal experience, everything in my life has just fallen into place because I've allowed myself the grace to, to grow and uh, forgive myself. And I think that we can forgive people that do way worse stuff to us, but if we don't forgive ourselves, you're, you're done. George Janko quoted somebody else who said this, and it was, uh, it's not let me take care of you, it's let me take care of me so I can take care of you. Dude. And I was like. That's it, man. That's well, it. David, before we close everything off, first of all, I want to thank you for this time, dude. Like, yeah, bro. Jack, <laughs> I'm going to be absolutely. listening to this, editing this, and it's going to blow my mind a second <laughs> time. I really mean that. Yeah, um, man. Give yourself a chance to plug yourself. How can we find you? What do you got going on? Um, yeah, absolutely, Jack. And like I said, it was it was a pleasure talking to you too. And I think we've just scratched the surface. And for those listening, I appreciate your your patience because these are really deep, intricate questions that it's like when you're thinking on the fly and like trying to like speak as you think about these deep topics, you kind of like rabbit hole yourself because that's the way your mind works. And if you have it like more directed, it's easier to listen to. So hope it sounds good. But uh, to plug myself, um, yeah. So check me out on Instagram. That's where I'm most prevalent. Um, Link will probably be in the description, but it's just my first and last name, Dave Cicchini. That's how you pronounce it. It's like zucchini, but chick, Dave Cicchini. Um, I'll be, you know, pushing out content, reels, things like that of my life. It's probably going to be fitness, outdoors, dogs, girlfriends, good food, friends, just showcasing how beautiful life can be. And not to say, hey, this is my life. It's better than yours. It's like, this is how happy people look. And I think people need to see more of that. That's awesome, man. Everybody, Dave Cicchini, remember Red Dolphin Podcast. Listeners, stay blessed, never stressed, and give my man Dave a follow everywhere you go. See you guys. Adios.